things are never going to be perfect. Things are never going to fall into place exactly as you believe them to be, no matter what. And it's learning how to be comfortable with that and almost embracing it that there's things you can't control and not letting when things fall out of place or when short-term failures, because we're all going to have, we all talk about how there's no such thing as never failing, but it's through failures, it's through setbacks. And it's embracing the fact that, you know, you just got to sometimes take the punches as they come. And it's your reaction that, you know, really determines if you're going to keep moving forward. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. If you're an engineer, we've got a treat for you today. We've got Sean Nottingale on the show, who is an engineer and an engineer by training. But he'll tell you, he talks for a living. He cuts deals. He builds teams. He leads. He garners support. He's an engineer with the gift of gab and an engineer that can lead. Sean talks about the focus on continued improvement and constant forward momentum as a definition of excellence, he says, do what 95% of people aren't doing and hope for a problem. Sean had a plan in high school. He had a plan in college and it changed just a little bit. So if you're an engineer and you're wondering what you can do with it, Sean's going to show you. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Sean, long time no see. I've heard a lot about you from Brett Gaviglio. I know you're crushing it in the sales engineering club, except it's the actual professional club, not the one you started at Cal Poly. Thank (laughs) you so much for making time to meet with us today and share your wisdom with other engineer prospects around the country. Absolutely. It's good to be here. I think uh, think last time I saw you was about 13 years ago in Cancun. I don't know if I was there. I can't confirm or deny that, but it's nice to see you again. You look very fit. And like I said, I hear all about you. And I I wanted to have you on the show today because I talked to so many students that are engineers and Mm -hmm. and I'm doing these meetings with people that are students and they say, oh, I love business. I love sales. I love management. I'm thinking about changing my major. And I go, no, 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 no. You need to get that engineering degree because if you're an engineer, that also has the gift of gab. If you're an engineer that can lead, if you're an engineer that can sell, you're the engineer that becomes the manager, the leader, the business development person for the engineering firm. And it's a unique ability. And Sean's got the unique ability. So Sean, we're going to start off a little bit differently with you. What do you do for a living? How can we capture that person driving their car right now that's thinking about getting out of engineering because they got the gift of gab and they want to be a leader or a manager one day? Mm-hmm. You know, since what I be, do for a living, and a lot of times I, I joke about this, is I talk for a living. <laughs> that's essentially what I do. And but it's it's much more than that. And that's kind of the, the, the short thing I like to say. But just like you were saying, people with the gift of gab. I mean, you got the gift of gab already. You know, what else do you need to really set yourself apart from the crowd? 
And so exactly what you just said, when I describe what I do, I'm, I work in industry, I work in construction, I work with consulting engineers, I work with mechanical contractors, I work with building owners. All three of those customer bases are very, very different from each other as far as their personalities, who they are, how they go to business, so on and so forth. And so what I do is I take the technical acumen, the technical background, the understanding of exactly the engineering behind and how things work. And I connect different parties on the other end um, and how to help solve problems. And, you know, also build relationships as they do that. So you work with people that you, know, you can trust and advise. And it's putting all those pieces together rather than just being, you know, one part of the puzzle. What I tell people is, you know, I'm a big part of the puzzle. I'm, you know, several aspects joining parties together uh, to make things work and uh, help construction projects uh, go off successfully. So you're the engineer that cuts deals, builds a team, leads the team, gathers support, and you can do the design if you want to, but you're looking at the design, you're helping with the design, um, you're bridging the communication gap in the design for these giant projects on huge buildings where you need different types of engineers for the structure, for the electrical, for the HVAC, for all the different elements of building. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to get into how you got there. I wanted to get that out right away, but I'm going to go back in my in, in time in my schedule, and I want to know what is your definition of excellence. Oh, you know that's uh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, you know, I I think for me to be truly excellent is you know each day, each month, each year, you, it's continual improvement is through the process, the journey you're on. How am I always making sure that I'm moving forward? One thing I truly believe in, I think it's reflected when you look at uh, nearby me, we live, there's a town called Pulp Springs in the desert. A lot of people retire there. You know, retirement and stagnation, once you resign to no longer moving forward, that's when it's difficult to keep moving on and building on in life and, and finding purpose. And so I think the definition of excellence is continually and constantly trying to find how to better yourself, how to be better, how to be better to those around you, how to keep you know, adding and improving and building upon the life you've already built for yourself in whatever sense that is, whether it's your career, whether it's your family, whether it's your relationships, it's always believing and striving for, I'm going to get to the next step. And you know, it's multifaceted. There's many different ways to do it, but it's never feeling like I'm done. Life is over. This is where I belong. But it's finding that belonging going forward to create and push yourself forward. So it's resigning to constant movement forward, constant improvement, instead of resigning to being done as if you had retired. Absolutely, absolutely. And I heard one time that the stats on if you retire, you've got like three years left to live if you retire on average. Mm -hmm. So I decided right then to never retire. You can do different things. So yep. right now you're out there designing these big systems, working with clients. Maybe you wanna become an engineering teacher. Maybe you want to become a management teacher. Maybe you want to work in philanthropy. Maybe you want to invest your money. Who knows? But constantly looking to improve, finding new areas, finding the next thing to belong to. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you've been doing it for a long time. You've worked in quite a few different businesses. You went to Cal Poly, which is hard to get into. So we're going to have to talk about what you did to get into that wonderful school. Then you worked at Train and uh, worked in sales. You moved into Clear Blue Energy and grew the business. 
year after year after year for a sale. And then finally, you're now in vertical systems, which people can find. Vertical systems is always looking for engineers that have the gift of gab. Vertis.net, V-E-R-T-I-S-Y-S.net. If you're looking for a job and you've got the experience, but let's talk about how Sean got the job because you didn't just roll out of high school and get a degree and then roll out of the degree and get these important positions of leadership management and customer communications. So what was life like in college? Where were you? What were you doing? How did you see yourself? Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day and they're like, well, you know, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, well, in short, I sell air conditioning, I work in the construction industry. Um, I'm like, well, how'd you get there? And, you know, my answer kind of is, I really honestly have no idea. <laughs> I had my, how I got to point A to point B, it was not just this smooth, I had this exact plan, which, I always had a plan. I've always been one who's had a plan of where I want to go five, 10, 15, 20 years out. But my path and exactly how I got here, it's pretty surprising. It's kind of unexpected. You know, I, I grew up in a small town, very small town, 14,000 people, uh, Central California uh, on an almond farm. And I initially before that cotton farm. And, you know, I, I, I grew up initially, I, I enjoyed video games. So I went to college like, hey, I'm going to be a computer scientist. So I started about, you know, sitting behind a desk programming. And then somehow, you know, I, I discovered through this, uh, the painting company that approached me in my sophomore year of college that I could go out and they taught me how to, you know, run my own painting business and like sales. I can never do sales. I don't want to be sales. I don't want to be used car salesman. I don't like tricking people into things they don't need, you know, and, but I did it because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And before I knew it, my, after my sophomore year of college, I had run a hundred thousand dollar business. And then I got promoted the next year and could say I ran close to a half million dollar business. And then through those experiences, I was able to get introduced to the mechanical engineering and mechanical engineering fields and help found the sales engineering club. And somehow I ended up in front of, you know, train air conditioning district manager for California. He told the recruiter to give me a shot. And I ended up in Wisconsin for six months for training in air conditioning and basically got a master's in air conditioning as far as exactly how everything works. And then did that for four years. And then I decided to branch off and ended up running and helping build a contracting company in the electrical and lighting sector. And I uh, did that, was very successful. And things didn't end out exactly as I planned them to, but still the experience and everything I have has built up a good uh, repertoire for everything I need going forward for, you know, to keep becoming more and more successful. And then now I'm back into air conditioning and working with building owners and consulting engineers, mechanical contractors. And uh, it's, it's fun. It's, I enjoy what I do. Yeah. And, and just to dive in a little bit, you need an engineering degree to design the water delivery system and the plumbing system for the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios. You can't just put a bunch of pipe, pipes in and hope it works. There's very few businesses that can do that. You need that same expertise to design the airflow system and filtration systems at a big hospital. You don't just get to throw it in there. But someone's got to be able to understand how it all works together and work with the clients who have a dream of a, a ride with a big water slide and a dinosaur or a 10-story hospital that covers 500,000 square feet. They've got a dream. Someone's got to come in that knows the ins and outs and the intricacies and talks the design language and understands the cost of the different dreams. We want to filter all the air. That costs more. We want to, whatever you want to do, you have to have a structure that supports it. So you need someone that's an engineer, someone that really understands the science 
to be able to talk to the people to help them understand what's possible, what's not possible, what's going to cost 10 times as much money, what's a better way to do it. So you're the person in the middle that speaks both languages, right? Yep, absolutely. And I think what's really important to focus on here is, you know, engineers, there's tons of engineers out there, very smart individuals. You know, they're very good at studying the sciences, studying engineering, studying how to lay out a system, an air conditioning system, lay out the mechanical equipment behind the building. And they're very, very good at that very focused task. On the other hand, dime a dozen, there's tons of people that are really good at talking, really good at making friends and building relationships. However, the important thing here is to truly become successful and become a needed part of society or needed part of the industry to where you're a highly valuable asset to where your contributions are going to get you the kind of income or kind of success you're looking for. You need to be able to set yourself apart. And what's very rare and what makes our industry and you can why you can be so successful what you do is if you can combine those different disciplines, the, the, you know, the gift of gab. And then also the technical background, you combine those together in your profession, you're going to do very, very well because not many people can do that. And then you add on to that the ability to communicate and build relationships with multiple different types of people, multiple customer bases that are all involved in the process from point A to point B. Because when you're designing a system, you're an engineering firm, professional engineer firm, that's got a set of people you're working with. Then you move on to, say, the mechanical contractor that is going to be purchasing equipment and actually installing what's been designed by the engineer. And you need to communicate everything the engineer and you have built together with them and in successfully install it. And then you got the end user, the owner, who's usually not going to have the skill sets of a mechanical contractor or the engineer. They're going to have their own set of skills that allows them to be successful in their job. If you're able to communicate through all steps of the process to each party, that is what's going to really, really set you apart because you're able to talk multiple languages to multiple people and get the job done. And a lot of people can't say that. And it doubles your pay. And if, you, if you're an accountant that can drive people, you could be the CFO. If you're an engineer that can communicate and do the sales, you could be in business development, you can be in leadership. But you're right. There's a, engineers are a dime a dozen. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. They do the engineering the special ones can lead, the special ones can communicate, the special ones can take the team in a certain direction or take the customers in a certain direction. There's a lot of people that can do accounting. The special ones can lead the team, can lead the whole company. So you had this plan, but it was kind of a loose plan, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably a key element. You have a plan, you're moving onward, you're moving upward, you keep trying to be the best. But you're open to change. You're open to serendipity. Someone comes in, talks to you about a weird painting company, and you're an engineer, and you're going to go run a painting company. Makes no sense. But you find out, wait a second, I can sell. I've got the gift of gab. You stick around another year. Wait, I can lead a team to a half a million bucks. And then you go and you get into the AC business. You make it sound so simple, you know, slinging ACs, but that's not what it is. It's a $10 million engineered design using some equipment, but really the the actual blueprints, the load bearing, the capacity, there's so much that goes into it. It's not just putting in a unit in a house. It's a whole system. You got to know what's going on and you got to be able to sell it, which puts you in a unique place in the engineering world. Well, I, I think too, something there that you just kind of reminded me of is me, my personality, who I am, I'm a big picture kind of guy. 
I'm a generalist. I like to be not a master of one, but, you know, adept at many things. And what's interesting here is when you talk about combining all these different skill sets into one position, what you have to understand is you are not going to be strong at every skill you need to be in that position. So I'm not the most detail-oriented guy. I don't like to pay attention to the details. I don't like to be in the weeds. I like to talk about exactly where we're going to big picture. However, but just like you said, if I got a $10 million project with all this equipment, I got to make sure it's correct. I got to make sure everything does match up to the design. So I have to understand that, hey, maybe my biggest strength isn't my attention to detail. Maybe it is a bit of a weakness, but that causes me to focus that much more and you know, make sure that projects are successful, both from the big picture and the small, more detailed picture. But I need to understand and be aware of that so I don't, you know, not see things as they need to be done to get everything done. That makes sense. It does. And you, in your definition of, ex- of excellence, you're constantly improving. You're probably constantly improving in your sales technique. You're constantly improving in your interpersonal skills, constantly improving in your management technique, and constantly improving in your engineering technique. Maybe you don't have to worry about the details anymore, but you understand the big picture and you're moving forward um, in all these different elements to get better and better and better. Because once you're excellent, based on your definition, you can get more excellent, right? Yep, absolutely. You can get even better. And I want to go back to, you talked about your high school. Did you know in high school, you said you had a plan. Um, you thought it was going to be computer scientists. You knew in high school you were kind of a science person. You're kind of an engineering person, or did that come in college? Um, you know, I, I I went to a small high school. It's kind of funny. It wasn't exactly the most successful high school. It wasn't, you know, a California distinguished school. <laughs> it wasn't known for its top academics. You know, it was in a small town, mostly farmer, migrant community. And, you know, growing up, I, I excelled and was typically the top of my class. I believe I graduated fourth in my class. And I thought, you know, I thought it was the cat's meow. <laughs> but then I got to college, especially Cal Poly, and all of a sudden I realized, nope, I'm not. <laughs> I'm nothing. When I started putting myself against kids from these top schools throughout the state, I realized I wasn't much. And that was a tough pill to swallow. That was a really tough pill to swallow. Because when you're on top of the ant mound, you're on top of the hill, and then all of a sudden you're down at the bottom. I mean, and so I, I, w- I was challenged, and it was, it was tough because all of a sudden I, I, I had to accept the fact that, you know, I was actually going to have to put a lot of work in <laughs> if I was going to get to the next step, if I was going to achieve. And uh, you know, luckily I was, I was able to do that. But you know, I, I did not, I, I, I kind of thought that's who I was, but I didn't really know. I always, everyone said, Sean, you should be an engineer when you grew up, but. The thing is, you think of it, you think of yourself, but you don't really understand what it is until you get into it. And uh, sometimes it's much more difficult than you ever imagined. But, you know, it's it's pushing yourself to new things and getting yourself and accepting the fact that you're not going to always be comfortable. And then I think truly, once you truly realize and understand that when you put yourself into situations where you aren't comfortable, but you have the drive and ambition to get through it, that's when you start making change. That's when you build upon your skill sets. That's when you truly start experiencing excellence and success is when you understand it. Things aren't always just going to be this nice, comfortable journey and things are laid out and everything's going to happen the way you expected them to. And, you know, hunky-dory toward a thing, but life's not hunky-dory. Life isn't, you know, always happy. Life isn't always easy. Look at everything that's happening in this world right now. 
You know, it's not just the simple path run, but it's knowing that there's going to be ups and downs and you got to get through it. So, yeah. So you're, you're, you're on a path. You're, you're going to be an engineer. Everybody told you I was supposed to be a lawyer. Everybody told me that too. You go to college, you take those classes and you're like, wait a second, this is pretty hard, but you're still heading in that path. You still have that mindset. You still have that drive. You're one of the few people that knew what you kind of wanted to do in high school. They ended up getting a degree in that many people change, but along the path, you started doing sales and management. Was that the first time you realized, wait a second, I can add sales and management to this engineering passion I have, or did you already know that too in high school? I absolutely did not know that. I had no idea. And, you know, I, I kind of joked. So growing up, my uh, my grandfather, a great guy. He's like 94. He's still alive, still kicking. He's, he's doing great. But he uh, his profession was a used car salesman, <laughs> uh, which especially when you're getting into sales, you know, the whole stereotype of used car salesman is you walk onto the car lot and, you know, they're smiling. You know, you just need there for a minivan for the kids. And he's pushing you towards that, you know, that red Corvette. And so I was always kind of against the whole idea because of what I thought was you know the, the profession meant i had no, total misunderstanding of what sales was and even now i have friends who talk to me and they say the only way you become a successful salesperson is you're able to convince people to buy things they don't need and every time i hear that it's it, it kind of saddens me a bit <laughs> because that is absolutely the most incorrect definition of what a successful salesperson is a successful salesperson somebody who's good at selling is not somebody who you ever think of as a salesperson. They are somebody that is helping people satisfy a need they have and understanding what it is that is going to make them the customer, the client, whoever's successful, what they're looking for, what they need. And a lot of people, when they get into sales, they struggle with the fact that they're taking money from somebody, that this person, I am taking their money, and they feel bad about it. They feel like it's a neg- there's a negative connotation associated with that. However, if a customer comes to you and they have a legitimate need and you're able to legitimately satisfy that need, they want you to take their money because that money is a direct representation of the value they associate with the service you're providing to them. And that is such a fundamental misunderstanding people have of the overall sales profession. But once you truly understand that, then the pathway just opens up because you realize that all you're doing is you're connecting pieces of the puzzle. People are desiring something. People have a goal. People need to grow their business. And you're helping them do that. You're helping them along the way because you provide a service other people can't that they're looking for. Well, I had that same feeling. You know, I'm a little bit older than most of the people that listen to this podcast, but sales was a dirty word. I don't want to do any sales. And I did the College Works program too. I did it to learn management because I wanted to run a business. And sales was just what I had to do because I had to go get a bunch of jobs that I could then manage. I didn't want to learn it at all. And then I realized, wait a second, it's everything. What movie do I want to go to? The one I want to go to, not the one my wife wants to go to. My wife and I are in conflict over where we're going to live. She wants one place, I want other. We're selling each other, pitching it. You want a better grade in a class. You want that job. You want a customer. You want someone to notice your idea. And you aren't. You don't have the gift of gab. You can't share your idea. You can't change their direction unless you have some sales skills. So you found that you you basically got out of your comfort zone and you're doing your engineering thing at one of the best engineering schools in the country, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. And someone came in and said, hey, you should try this, uh, running this business thing. You're going to sell paint jobs. You're going to produce paint jobs. And you thought, well, that's horrible. I don't want to do that. But you did it anyway. So how did you how did you decide to try that? 
I know it's out of the box. I know it's out of your comfort zone. I know you like to get out of your comfort zone. Well, that seems the exact opposite of what you were looking for. Yeah, I uh, I kind of remember the moment I decided to do it. I was in a, it was my second year, my sophomore year, and I was with my buddy Brian at the time, and we were in our we were in our house. I'm sitting there, I'm talking to him about it, and I mean, I got to be honest, like I was I was absolutely terrified. I was absolutely terrified. I just I couldn't imagine it. Plus, they were saying I was going to have to drive home every weekend, two two and a half hours to Bakersfield, which is where I grew up, which gets up to one ten plus in the summer, and I was going to knock on doors. And sell people painting jobs, and I'd never painted a house in my life. Absolutely terrified, horrified by the prospect. And to be honest, looking back on it now, I have no—I don't know what triggered me to say yes. But I do remember the moment where I thought to myself, "This seems really, really difficult. This seems like a really big challenge." But I've been presented with people that were able to approach this challenge and become successful. And who says they're better than me? Who says I can't do it just because I think I can't do it at this point? But there is, there's, there's light. There is people that have shown it's been able to be done. And as long as I don't just believe there's some superhuman comparable to me that I put us, you know, some sort of a level playing field as far as our background, our experiences that could lead us to a point where we could succeed in running a painting business in college, then hey, I got a shot. And you know, that was that was that was kind of the moment I decided to do it. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So uh, you had a chip on your shoulder. You had a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and you wanted to prove that if they can do it, you can do it. But it still doesn't explain how you decided, hey, I hate the sales thing that my grandfather, that I think my grandfather does. I'm going to try to do it my own way. How did you make that choice? Yeah, you know, that um, that's interesting because I think that was a bit of a chip on my shoulder too, is I wanted to prove that it could be done in such a way that you're focused on the, the human aspect of the situation. You're focused on, you know, helping people or do better, achieve what they're looking for and providing value. Because I think, you know, providing value is one of the biggest things. And, you know, what is value? Value is a strange word because a lot of times value could be construed as just the cheapest offering, you know, as the, or, but at the same token, it, you know, value is ultimately what you're seeking is it's, you know, exactly what you're looking for to get the job done or, you know, whatever it may be. And I think, you know, too, we talk about the constant need for improvement and moving forward is uh, who's to say that the way things have always been done is the right and only way to do it. 
Um, why can't we take our own personal slant and do things in a different way? And this is something too, when people are, are looking to get out there and become successful and you know find their own niche or their, their own path, particularly engineers in colleges, because we, Matt, you and I, recruiting kids to do the painting business, especially engineers, was always so difficult because their parents, their friends would all tell them, you don't want to be a salesperson because they had their same idea of what a salesperson was. And they were trying to influence their son, their friend, that that wasn't the path you should go on. But that's another thing too, a bit of a sidebar is one thing that I decided in college and when I was approached with the painting business thing, at, at some point what triggered in my mind was like, hey, you know, maybe the thing I should be doing is what 90, 95% of the other people aren't doing. And if I could focus on that and just keep thinking of my life in that way, I mean, the most successful people aren't the majority. <laughs> They're the minority. So if I find out a different path to go on, then I think I'm going to have a higher probability of achieving a success I believe I should and will and will have in my in my life. Well, we, we uh, recorded this podcast at a strategic time because one of the principles in the company you work work with, and I got to plug them again, Vertical Systems, Vertical Systems in Southern California, vertisys.net. Um, Brett, who I mountain bike and I ski with. So I do uh, backcountry extreme skiing and Brett shaves all the snow off the mountain on a snowboard because snowboarding is a lot easier than skiing and you can get down without turning. And it is amazing to see him dropped on the top of a hill by either a cat or a helicopter in these huge powder fields with 12 other people. And we're all cutting these really nice turns down the mountain. And Brett somehow manages to get down the mountain on his back edge, sliding the whole mountain away while he goes without killing anybody. But I go backcountry uh, skiing with Brett. And then we do mountain biking in the off season to prepare our legs. And, you know, again, Brett, kind of tries to keep up. He can't make the turns as well or get down the cliffs as well, but he's nice to be with. And I have to plug uh, Brett's horrible snowboarding and biking skills in the podcast because I know he'll be listening. But there isn't a week that goes by that he doesn't say, hey, you got any of those district managers? Because he knows the sales training that they went through as a manager and he knows the sales experiences and he knows how many times they got their butts kicked and how many customer problems they had to solve and how many no's they had to deal with and how they had to deal with their perception of how do I figure out what they really need and want and deliver it and feel good about it. And then they go through all the training again as a district manager, because you guys in your company are looking for that rare bird, right? That engineer that can talk the talk of engineering, but also get down with the customers. And those people get paid a lot more, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the, it's the problem solvers. Because, you know, like I said earlier, things aren't always going to be easy. You want to talk about the painting job. Here I am, a 20-year-old kid. I'm setting expectations with a family about how I'm going to get their two-story house done in Bakersfield. And I got a painter lined up and he does half the prep work. I show up to the job site at 1 p.m. and all the prep works there, all the equipment's laying around the roof, but he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> he's gone. I didn't hear from the guy for three weeks. Finally, he gets a hold of me. He says he was going through a divorce. I don't know. I had another, you know, issues like that. Like, how, how would I ever plan and expect to deal with something like that? <laughs> if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. You can deal with it because you dealt with it. Exactly. And that's that's another thing, too. One thing I talk about a lot, especially with sales and customers and working with people is, when you're working with a customer, especially building a new relationship, you kind of want there to be a problem. You kind of want something to happen that you have to, you get a chance to show the customer how you react and how you work in a situation that 
you know, wasn't the most ideal or how you resolve conflict with them. And when you behave or when you show how you behave in your character in that situation and you show the customer that, you know, you're looking out for them and they're number one, that's going to form and foster a very, very strong relationship. So it's not like you want a problem to happen, but especially in construction we work with, there's always going to be problems. It's just the nature of the beast. Nothing's ever perfect. But once you can show and how you support them, the customer in their time of need, that's when you truly foster and develop strong relationships and that you build that trusted advisor to where they're going to come to you whenever they need something to where they have an issue because they know how you behave when things are most difficult. So you hope for a problem, just not a huge problem, a way to showcase your talent. Absolutely. And you're right. There's always a problem. You're building a giant hospital. There's going to be a problem. You're Mm -hmm. building a big uh, industrial center. There's going to be a problem. And some people take their problem to work and they freak out and disappear for three weeks and you can't find them. And other people rise up, solve the problem, show everybody their skill set, calm them down. And then everybody loves you and your business. Yeah. And I think that there's something else there too that I really want to focus on. It took me a long time to learn. And this is especially true for long-term planners, very motivated, very ambitious people. You know, people that are sitting there in college or after college and they got a 5, 10, 15, 20-year plan, you got a goal sheet. You know, something for that type of individual that is very, very difficult to learn. And it has been incredibly difficult for me to learn and be comfortable with. And I'm still not fully comfortable with it. And I think, too, in the last year, what we've seen with COVID and everything else, it's all the more in our faces that this is something we need to learn and accept as a part of life, is that no matter how much we plan, no matter how much we work, no matter how intelligent, how skilled we are, there are always going to be things beyond our control. Things are never going to be perfect. Things are never going to fall into place exactly as you believe them to be, no matter what. And it's learning how to be comfortable with that. And almost embracing it, that there's things you can't control and not letting when things fall out of place or when short-term failures, because we're all going to have, we all talk about how there's no such thing as never failing, but it's through failures, it's through setbacks. And it's embracing the fact that, you know, you just got to sometimes take the punches as they come. And it's your reaction that, you know, really determines if you're going to keep moving forward. Yeah, my great friend Sanjay Kapoor taught me the philosophy of karma yoga, and that is if you have clarity of intention, purity of heart, and sincerity of action, enjoy the process. Yep. Because the outcome, something could go wrong. Enjoy the process, the process of fixing a problem, the process of encountering what's out of your control, the process of making things better. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process because you don't know what's going to happen that affects the outcome. And there's so much growth that can occur in the process. I'm reminded my cousin, I had a debate with my cousin and my cousin since passed away. So God rest his soul. Um, he was a, a, a aerospace engineer and he was talking to me about hiring engineers and he was pissed that I thought I was hiring a different group of people because he needed people that were going to lead the group. And if they had the solution, they were going to lead the group to that solution. They weren't going to work on the wrong thing. And if he didn't hire the right person and they didn't sell the group on why the planes were crashing and they wasted time, they'd lose their contract. And he always instilled in me, I need engineers that can lead. I need engineers that can do more than just design things. So if you're listening to this right now, and you can do more than just design things, and you don't know if you want to be an engineer, be an engineer. Be an engineer. So, Sean, you always wanted to be an engineer. 
how has where you've you you found yourself today surprised you? Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, for one, I never thought I'd I'd be in sales, but I am. As we talked earlier, every part of life is sales, and you know, it's just you know, major part of my job and my occupation and what I do. But again, you know, as far as not expecting to where I am at today is, you know, not always, you know, being able to see your full plan to fruition. You know, I had a plan the company before I was at Vertical Systems and, you know, we did very well. We built a business and uh, actually got it from uh, two to 30 million. And, you know, I was essentially a mini CEO, definitely involved in, you know, building it out. And I had a small equity stake and, you know, we we almost sold the business. We got very close. And then, you know, unfortunately, one thing led to another and, you know, the company became a little bit unhealthy. And I never thought, you know, I'd be cutting my losses. And I left. And then I left right before COVID. <laughs> and I had another job lined up and COVID happened and that job went away. And I, you know, spent, I, I went on unemployment. I never thought in the world I'd be on unemployment, ever. I have always, you know, even though I didn't know exactly where I was going all the time, I always believed that I had the wherewithal and, you know, the intelligence and the skill sets to shoot, never be unemployed. I'm never going to be one of those guys. But it happened. And, uh, but through that process, I was introduced to my current company through a friend who, and, you know, it's, and now I'm in a great situation and things are moving forward again. But hey, there's been major hiccups, major, major hiccups that I would never have expected. Never thought I'd be at this point exactly where I am right now. However, overall, I've usually been confident I will find a way. I just never knew I would have to experience and face the challenges I faced in the last couple of years. And that's, that's true for much of America with the pandemic and everything we faced. There's been so much out of our control and there's still so much uncertainty even just going forward. Again, it's what I touched on earlier. It's almost embracing the fact that things are going to happen that you have no, you can't affect, you can't change. But it's, you know, learning how to deal with it, learning how to react to it and move forward. And uh, you're going to find if you keep that attitude, you're going to keep finding success. It's going to keep it may not happen the way you expected it to, but you're going to get there. And like Matt was just saying, and something else that has been so hard for me to learn, it is truly enjoying the process, enjoying the experiences, enjoying the moment. You know, focusing is sometimes we got to live in the present. Yeah, we're working towards the future. But if all you do is focus on that result you're going toward, all you're focusing is on selling the company. All you're focusing is on you're going to have a big house when you're 40. If that's all you focus on, when you actually get there, you're not going to know what to do to yourself. Yeah. It's about the journey. It's about what we're doing right now. Yeah, the outcome can change and the outcome moves around. And there definitely are major hiccups. And I remember I've lost everything three times. I don't recommend doing that. But I remember the last time, you know, I, I didn't enjoy it at the time. I didn't enjoy the for sale sign in front of my house. I didn't enjoy having absolutely no money and all sorts of debt at the time. But I look back and I grew from it. And, you, and you're going to experience horrible things. So what you need to do is embrace that, right? Be Embrace that things will go wrong. You'll hit some big struggles. There'll be some major hiccups and some major hurdles. And what got me through it was knowing I was going to grow. And knowing I was going to learn and knowing I would be tougher at the end. And there were people around me that didn't know that. So they had a rougher, rougher ride than I did. There probably people around you that didn't know it, but you get through it. You're in a different place. And now you're back to what you love doing. You never thought you'd be doing what you're doing, but you love, you love what you do. You never thought that the 
path would go these weird twists and turns, but you knew that you would one day get to approximately where you are. And what sacrifices, besides that most recent one, what sacrifices did you choose to make that you never regret looking back that helped you get to where you are today? You know, what? one of the biggest sacrifices was, you know, the company I worked for out of college, you know, it was train air conditioning, large, large corporation. I had a very, very secure path forward. <laughs> I was doing well in sales. I was making good money. And uh, at the time when I left to join this small outfit that their yearly revenue was less than what I had sold my year before as a single salesperson, a lot of people thought I was crazy. A lot of people told me I was crazy. Shoot, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> um, but you know that that's again too, a lot of times when you make decisions when you push yourself to move forward, a lot of people are going to think you're crazy. If you're an engineer in college and you want to get into sales, a lot of people are going to think you're crazy. Um, but you know, that's the decision I made. And you know, yes, as Matt was just you know saying, like the the end result isn't exactly what I planned for or hoped for, but the experiences I had along the way were absolutely, you know, incomparable to anything else I could imagine I could have experienced at the time. And I'm gonna be able to use those going forward for the rest of my life. And you know, when and I, I would not change that decision for the world. And as two is, you know, we always talk about to be successful is you need to take risks. You need to take calculated risks. Um, but a lot of nobody ever talks about what happens is when you take those risks and they don't work out. <laughs> but it's going to happen. But just because a risk you took didn't take out doesn't mean you should stop taking risks. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is we're determined. We take a couple of risks and they don't pan out. And then all of a sudden we just, you know, resolve or resort to going down the path most traveled again. Hey, maybe I should have just done what everybody told me I should have done. Maybe I was wrong. Da 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 da. But if you do that, then you're guaranteeing you're not going to get to the level you're looking to get to. We're going to have to keep continuing to take risks throughout life because that's what life is. Life is risky business. There's no guarantees. So why not keep pushing yourself and enjoy the process as you do so? Yeah, I remember my wife coming home from work one day. She made $61,000 that year. And she was so excited. And I looked at her and I go, hey, Jill, that's exactly what I lost this year. And I made 40,000 a year and I lost 60. And that was my first risk where I got my butt kicked. And then you get that inner voice. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Shouldn't happen. And someone's in that position right now where they just got their butt kicked. My second time, I lost a lot of money. Same feeling. Maybe I should have taken the risk. By the third time, and it was a bigger amount, I got gotten used to it, right? So you go through life. Um, you have this business that doesn't sell. Right at COVID, you decide to bail out. Then COVID hits, all the worst case scenario. And your inner inner thoughts are telling you, yeah, see, you shouldn't have done this. Yeah, you're not good enough. So your success comes from grabbing a hold of that and saying, no, 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 that's not me. I'm not the person that can't do well. I'm the person that can do well. Dusting yourself off, getting back on the horse again. So you've now gotten to the point where you're understanding that those risks are what got you to where you are. And you can't stop taking those risks or else you won't continue to do what you want to do, continue to improve, constant movement forward. You need to slip back to move forward because you need those lessons, right? You learned so much from that. And it was a rough few years, but that's changing your life for the last year and the next year and the 10 years to come. And you wouldn't change it for the world, would you? No, absolutely. And I think too, the one unfortunate thing too, it was what we see nowadays is especially a lot of people who are going through similar situations I've been through. And, you know, say younger, younger people in college, you know, thinking about taking big risks is, you know, we're, we have such an onslaught of social media 
and celebrities and get rich quick and people that, you know, when they're 19, they, you know, are, are, are instant founder in a company and are multi, multi-millionaire. And we get berated every day that success happens to so many people really quick and they don't deal with anything and they have no problems and everything's perfect. And then we find in our own lives that, hey, things aren't always perfect. And we get down on ourselves because we're exposed to this idea that success is easy. And it's not. And it's this false sense created by social media and everything. But we got to be able to fight through it more than ever. And we, and we will. If you, if you truly want to, you're going to discover that. But you got to understand that it's, it's not easy. But, hey, you know what? For some people, it's going to be. There are those people that have a little bit of an easier path, but for most people, you have to dig deep and keep pushing. Yep. For most people, you're going to have hiccups, big and small. And I really appreciate you telling your story. If you wouldn't mind going to um, your coworkers, Vince, letting him know he needs to train a little bit harder for the ski trip next year, um, <laughs> maybe drop some pounds. Brett, you got to turn. You can't just slide down on your heels. And for everybody else out there, if you're an engineer, Keep pushing, get that major. If you're an engineer and you don't have the gift of gab, you don't have any leadership experience, you can go get it. Your life's going to be full of ups and downs, but a lot more ups if you're well-rounded and you cover all the bases like Sean does. Sean, thank you so much for making time and for being on the Edge of Excellence today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.